This is Illinois in Focus. For Illinois News Network, I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to what's next for the state legislature and get commentary from Illinois News Network publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about veto session that just wrapped up, a heated exchange on the House floor, how Speaker Michael Madigan interacts with members of the media, and more. But first, here's some of the top stories from the past week. The debate over whether to increase the cap someone wronged by the state can get paid got heated in the House with one member wishing another member's family get Legionella. Republican State Representative Peter Breen questioned increasing the cap from $100,000 to $2 million, saying it's an outlier compared to neighboring states. In reference to the 14 Legionella deaths at the Quincy Veterans Home, Democratic State Representative Stephanie Kifowitz said, she wants to give a broth of Legionella to Breen's family. So that they can be infected, they can be mistreated, they can sit and suffer by getting aspirin instead of being properly treated, and ultimately die. Republican State Representative Jeannie Ives demanded an apology. How dare you take a, an honest debate about an issue and then wish death on my colleague Peter Breen, his wife, and his two adopted kids. The bill is ultimately overridden in both chambers and is retroactive to 2015. Giffwood said her comments were misinterpreted and apologized if she was misheard. The following day, Giffwood said her comments were a poor choice of words. Uh, but the bottom line is we had 14 individuals die in the Quincy Veterans Home. And we, uh, 70 people were ill. And what was described was exactly what happened to our veterans. The GOP state party chairman called for Kifuit to resign. Kifuit responded. The person who should resign is Director Shaw. She said it's Illinois Department of Public Health Director Narav Shaw who's responsible for the veterans' deaths. Shaw didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. Following apologies on the House floor Wednesday, the House unanimously expunged Kifuit's controversial comments. Breen said if Kifuit had made the comments in the parking lot or in a voicemail to his office, she'd be in handcuffs, but instead... She said it on the House floor and got applause. Breen said he accepts the apology, but the legislature must rise above and condemn such rhetoric moving forward. Governor Bruce Rauner won some and lost some in the veto session that wrapped up Thursday in Springfield, but he's not happy about a couple of overrides in particular. In his first news conference since his election loss earlier this month and after the House finished up this week's veto session, Rauner said lawmakers every year pass bad legislation. But this year was particularly bad for legislation that's harmful to taxpayers and to economic competitiveness. Browner said one bill in particular that'll cost taxpayers is raising the tort cap from $100,000 to $2 million. The cap limits how much people can get when they sue the state and through the court of claims. Lawmakers voted to override Rauner's veto of the bill, and it's now law. Our cap got increased 20-fold in one fell swoop, and this is going to be a massive invitation for lawsuits against the state now and uh, in the future. Um, this will cost, even if we prevail in many of these lawsuits on behalf of the citizens of Illinois, the cost of the increased litigation will be terrible. He also railed against a bill that's presumptive Medicaid eligibility, and he said it could cost taxpayers tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars that can't be recouped. Assume that they're eligible uh, for Medicaid uh, payments, treat them in that way, be billed and reimbursed in that regard, and then hope to determine later um, whether they're truly eligible for Medicaid. It is fundamentally terrible policy. Of 83 bills the governor vetoed this year, 47 of them were sustained. Meanwhile, Rauner said he's scared for the state. 
As Democrats who were in control of the state's poor finances before he took office four years ago will have even more control when he leaves office in January. Browner lost re-election to Democrat J.B. Pritzker earlier this month. The Republican said that he'll talk more about his role in politics in the coming months. With the election dust settled, the final tally of Democratic dominance in Illinois' state house is historic. The House will have 74 Democrats, three more than is needed for veto-proof majorities. House Speaker Michael Madigan is expected to lead the largest number of Democrats in his tenure. He said he'll work with anyone and everyone. What I plan to do is to work with the people in the House Democratic Caucus and in the House Republican Caucus and any senators that wish to join us. Republican State Representative Mark Batnick doesn't expect too many open ears with the Democratic Caucus on Republican issues. He said it's better for the GOP to go to voters directly. Because it was the outside pressure that forced things to move more than the internal pressure. So we're just going to have to work from the outside in instead of the inside out. Republican State Representative Alan Skillicorn said Republicans have some work to do to rebrand the GOP, but he said the Democrats having such majorities puts the state's problems on their plate. So right now, Illinois is, what, 48th, 49th, you know, in economic development. Uh, if those things aren't addressed, if those things uh, we don't find solutions for, it's owned by the majority party. State Representative Will Davis will be in the supermajority. He said he doesn't think that there's going to be a blank check for Democrats, as some issues will land differently for those from Chicago than with those from downstate. He said the majority will still work with Republicans. Republicans, whether they want to admit it or not, like to do some of the same things that we want to do. Beginning in January, the House would have 74 Democrats, three more than is needed for the veto-proof majority. The Senate will have 40 Democrats to Republicans' 19 members. Altogether, Democrats in both chambers will have 112 members, more than the parties had since the legislature was narrowed with the cutback amendment in 1982. Some municipalities have begun or are considering charging a transfer tax on homes of a certain value. A proponent of the additional fee is on incoming Governor J.B. Pritzker's transition committee, but there's no plan to implement a statewide tax. Cole Lauterbach has more. The city of Evanston has enacted a progressive transfer tax that charges the seller of any property with a higher fee based on how much property is worth. A small business owner selling a storefront for $2 million, for instance, will pay an additional $3,500, along with the other taxes and fees already in place. Chicago City Council has tried to enact a similar tax. Daniel K. Hertz with the Center for Tax and Budget Accountability says any home rule city in Illinois could do this without affecting costs of nearly all home sales. You know, I think part of... of the design, part of what the design of the of the of the transfer tax is meant to do um, by having it be marginal, right? So it's you know when when the rate goes up over a million dollars, say that higher rate only applies to the value over a million dollars, not to the entire value of the property. And so I think you know you would need to get you would need to get into you know pretty high level. Um, Houses for that to to really um, make up a um, you know a, a notable difference, I would think. Um, so you know, again, I think for the vast, vast, vast majority of of homeowners, they're either not going to feel anything from this or they're actually going to have their taxes lowered, which is more likely. Marisa Novaro with the Metropolitan Planning Council says the money is needed in a time of decreasing federal help. This is a way that a city can take some 
action locally. But Illinois Realtor spokesman John Broadbooks said in a statement that Evanston's new transfer tax just adds to the high cost of business there and ultimately may cause some investors to look outside the city's corporate limits for properties, saying, quote, it'll just make it more expensive to live and work in a community, which it already has a hefty tax burden, end quote. Ralph Martiri, who's also with the CBTA, sits on incoming Governor J.B. Pritzker's transition committee. A spokesman for Pritzker couldn't be reached for comment. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Those are the top stories of the week. Find out more online at ilnews.org. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from Illinois News Network publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus for Illinois News Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Welcome to Illinois in Focus Crosstalk, the portion of the weekly podcast and broadcast where I, Chris Krug, and you, Dan McCaleb, talk about the things that matter to people in Illinois, what people are talking about, what people should be talking about. Um, Dan is the executive editor of the Illinois News Network, and I am the publisher of the Illinois News Network. Dan, great to see you. Nice to see you too, Chris. It's a busy week. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not often, you know, after the, the you know, the, the end of May, the beginning of June, that the Illinois legislatures in session in Springfield. But uh, we just went through what would be considered uh, a veto session. Correct. And uh, for those people who sort of maybe not necessarily steeped in legislative activity, I mean, you want to talk about what a veto session is all about? Sure. So during the last uh, regular legislative session uh, in the spring, uh, lawmakers passed hundreds of bills. Um, bills that affected things such as taxes, regulations, um, criminal law, things like that. And um, the, the, the bills that get passed out of both chambers, uh, the House and the Senate, then go to the governor's desk. And the governor, um, Governor Bruce Rauner, has an opportunity to sign the bills and make them law, or he has the opportunity to um, veto or issue what's called amended, mandatory vetoes in which he can change them. And then after the session and after Governor Rauner decided on these, uh, what he was going to do with these bills, um, it turned into campaign season. So lawmakers didn't want to come back to session until after the uh, November election. Um, so they did that starting about three weeks ago. Um, they've had a few days here and a few days there of session, veto session, and they lawmakers need to decide, well, do we agree with the governor's vetoes? Do we agree with his amendatory vetoes or do we disagree with them? And do we want to override those vetoes by, um, in which case they need a super majority, more than 50 plus one. It's closer to uh, more than 60 percent, 60 plus one right. uh, percent of votes. And that's what they've been doing um, uh, the past couple of weeks with a break, of course, for Thanksgiving. Um, and they concluded their business this week. Yeah, well, let's talk about some of the highlights. And I appreciate you sort of laying that out because I think that, you know, a lot of people in Illinois really just don't follow the legislature that closely, maybe didn't even realize why people were back in Springfield and what these lawmakers were doing. But uh, we have a handful of things that, that went down, you know, during veto session. And um, you could tell us how they, what, what they were and how they felt. Let's start with Tobacco 21. Right. So in the spring session, um, both chambers uh, uh, of the General Assembly, the House and the Senate, passed a new law or a, a new a new a bill that would raise the age for which people can buy cigarettes and smoke cigarettes from 18 to 21. Governor Rauner disagreed with that uh, legislation and decided to veto it. 
so this week, or during the past couple of weeks, um, uh, the Democrats who control both chambers wanted to attempt to override that veto. The Senate did um, a couple weeks ago. They had enough votes to override the veto, but then the House attempted to do the same, and they didn't. They, they fell short. So that that does not become law. Um, so the law of the land remains. If you're 18 years old, you can purchase and smoke cigarettes. Okay. So the 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 one the one last thing I wanted to talk about was the the tort reform bill, and this this is uh, this actually was successfully overridden. Um, that we formerly in the state had a cap on two hundred thousand a cap of two hundred thousand dollars on claims against the state, and that cap's been raised to two million. You want to talk a little bit about? Let's talk about the of of, of what was behind this, and then uh, let's talk about some of the byproduct of this discussion. Sure, um, you might even call it anti-tort reform because it actually goes in the op- opposite direction. Essentially, in the Illinois Court of Claims, there was a two hundred thousand dollar cap on what um, uh, folks who claimed they were wronged by the state could uh, could receive. Um, lawmakers, Democratic lawmakers, thought that was too low. Uh, and in, and this is largely in response uh, to the Legionnaires case in Quincy. In, in Quincy at the veterans' home. There um, felt that the veterans and the veterans' families there who were affected by Legionnaires' disease deserved more than that. So they raised the the uh, that cap to two million dollars in legislation, passed both the House and the Senate uh, during the regular session. Governor Rauner. Um, issued another amendatory veto to reduce it to raise it from two hundred thousand dollars to three hundred thousand dollars but to reduce it from what the general assembly wanted from uh... uh... three million dollars um, and both uh... both houses the senate and the house had enough votes to override that veto so the new uh... the new cap the new limit will be two million dollars and governor rauner's concern was not only how much more the state will be will have to pay out in these in some of these claims uh, if a jury or a judge awards that two million dollars, yeah. but that it would increase it's going to increase the n- total number of lawsuits filed against the state because uh, particularly trial attorneys will see it as a opportunity to make money for themselves. So the lawsuits are going to essentially skyrocket against yeah, the state. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting case because I mean it or I should say an interesting interesting discussion around uh, legislation. Because while it, you know, the, the, the benefit, the primary benefit in the public eye would be that person who was somehow wronged by the state, but the real winner in this deal would be the trial attorneys because this is like uh, sort of an, almost like an ATM situation for them. Right, and, and Illinois already is known as a place to come and, and, ab- and abuse the, the civil uh, court system because of its, its generous laws favoring trial attorneys yeah so as part of that discussion things got a little uh, a little heated up there was an exchange between the democrat representative from oswego aurora area that's representative stephanie kifowit right and um the republican uh suburban republican peter breen who i believe is from lombard lombard right. and so it it bubbled into something that um that, that got a lot of national attention in fact uh, i i think i saw it like on virtually every national um website uh i don't remember seeing it on tv but it very well might have wound up on national tv too that in her plea to get the republicans to understand the level at which she was passionate about the issue that she suggested that she would 
somehow create a quote unquote broth of Legionella and subject that to Representative Peter Breen's family and then see how he felt about things. And uh, it didn't land well. Well, and it it shouldn't have. And and honestly, it's among the of all the sad things we've seen occur in the Illinois General Assembly. This is among the saddest, the worst. Uh, essentially, Peter Breen, Representative Breen, a Republican, um, was defending uh, Governor Rauner's uh, veto, a mandatory veto of this bill raising the cap at two million dollars. And uh, Representative Kiefer disagreed with that stance, but rather than just simply disagreeing with it with him, essentially wished death on Representative Breen and his loved one, uh, assuming she meant his wife, but she said wished death by this by uh, uh, wishing that he, they drink this broth of Legionella. Um, just among the craziest, saddest moments on the House floor uh, that I can certainly think of. And um, she, there was immediate calls, I mean, both sides, Democrats and Republicans, both sides were somewhat appalled um, by what she said, although Democrats were more tempered in it. Um, there were calls for her to apologize. There were calls for her to resign. She initially refused to apologize, saying her words were misinterpreted as if those words that she spoke could be misinterpreted. They were very yeah. direct and they were webcast. And, and, it, and, and it didn't seem like that was extemporaneous talk, that that looked like it was literally being pulled off of a script. I mean, the idea of a broth of Legionella is kind of bonkers. I mean, I'm not sure if, you know, if she's just like a, maybe she likes the Food Network or something like that. And, and you know, sort of was thinking about interesting ways to present this as, as, a, as a possible you know, stinger, you know, on the, on the floor. But wow, that just seems scripted to me. Yeah. It, 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 it almost certainly had to be planned. Um, just the way her words came out. Um, um, at least she, it, it took her a day, it took her a full day. At least she finally apologized, realized <laughs> that it was what she said was just insane. Yeah. Um, but credit really, where credit's due that she yeah. did, she did apologize Correct. and then she did back that out. But one of the oddities of, of, of our legislature is the quote-unquote the record and they moved the democrats moved to have that expunged from the record so why would they do that i mean it's you know the the it's not as if we we're going to unhear it it's not as if we are going to unpublish it at ilnews.org or any of the other places around the world that ran with that story why would they bother that's a good question. I, I think it makes them look look bad and and sad. Um, I guess future journalists or future students who are, who who FOIA it or who go on, online to the official ILGA yeah. website to read the minutes of the meeting, that so it won't be there. But it's it, it's on videotape. It's on as you mentioned, dozens if not more than that uh, news media uh, outlets websites. It's it's not going to be forgotten. Yeah. Speaking of videotape, let's talk about a little video clip that we had out in the hallway at the state house this week, and let's let everybody just take a listen to the audio from that video clip right now. A large number of Democrats uh, next year and the year after. Are um, you the guy from the Policy Institute? No, I'm from the yeah. Illinois News Network. Okay. Um, what kind of challenges... What kind of challenges... Is that the guy from the Policy Institute? Yeah. Illinois News Network. Franklin Center. Same difference. Um, when are you guys going to fold your tent? All right, thanks, everybody. What are, what are the main priorities you're looking at for next year? 
We did that. Well, we want to get all, every idea from the Illinois Policy Institute. <laughs> so what you just heard there was the Speaker of the House, Michael Madigan, telling Greg Bishop that his question was irrelevant because he is uh, an employee of the Illinois Policy Institute and therefore, you know, his question doesn't doesn't count and he need not answer it. Well, uh, newsflash, it, the Illinois News Network, which was incubated by the Illinois Policy Institute started in 2012, has been part of the Franklin Center for Government and Public Integrity, which is completely separate 501c3 uh, for over a year at this point. Uh, the crassness of this the level of of in you know incivility um because this isn't the first run-in that 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 madigan has had with with an inn reporter um you know i mean i guess it's just sort of to be expected maybe this is kind of like emblematic of the animal house that is the state house i mean not to conflate this with with uh with uh representative kifowitz remarks but I mean, this is a state house that's been, you know, under scrutiny and under question, um, and certainly under pressure for sexual impropriety and a number of different things that, frankly, are just the unbecoming of people in office. Certainly, the people that we entrust. But specific to this case, I mean, the the, the journalists in the world have a right to ask questions, and this is no Jim Acosta moment where where Greg Bishop is grandstanding and berating somebody and, and trying to be the story. He's simply asking questions. And, um, and that wasn't, that wasn't a, an opportunity that was afforded to him. Well, you know what Greg, Greg Bishop's offense was? He asked questions. He asked tough yeah. questions. He, he holds public officials, elected officials, accountable um, for what they do. Uh, unfortunately, Speaker Madigan... House Speaker for all but two years since 1983 essentially has a stranglehold on the Democrat. Also, the chair of the state Democratic Party has a stranglehold on power. Um, doesn't like being asked tough questions. Well, I'm sorry, too bad. Greg Bishop is going to ask tough questions. He's going to continue to ask uh, tough questions. Um, I'm sure, and the hypocrisy of it too. I'm sure Speaker Madigan would be one of the first ones to to grandstand and criticize President Trump for how he treats the media. It's just it's inexcusable. As you as you mentioned, this was not the first time <clears throat> during the the endless special sessions uh, last summer. Um, it was almost a daily occurrence um, when Madigan would come out and and treat uh, Greg Bishop that way. Sad, but that, it doesn't affect us. We're going to keep asking tough questions. We're going to keep reporting the news. And that's it. Yeah, you got to stand up to bullies. I mean, Absolutely. that's just that's just the bottom line. And I mean, the the journalists are there in earnest to just understand and to, to get a picture, a clear picture from those that are painting the picture. And if that's you know beyond your ability to handle or to answer, simply saying I don't know or I'm not sure. Let me get back to you on that. Is a fair way. The 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 brutish baloney it's just it's completely unnecessary absolutely and and just kudos to greg bishop for completely being professional about it correcting the speaker politely um he's not going anywhere yeah deal with it that's exactly right so that's about all the time we have dan thanks awesome always to get together with you enjoyed it as usual this is chris krug with dan mccaleb this has been illinois news network illinois in focus crosstalk now back to greg bishop while lawmakers finish their final days of the 100th General Assembly for the year, they actually have two more scheduled days in January, right before the new class of lawmakers is seated. 
That session is considered lame duck, where some lawmakers have meaningful legislation that could pass. Governor Bruce Rauner said he's heard rumors an infrastructure bill could come up, but urged that there be no tax increase associated with such a move. When lawmakers do come back, we'll be there to bring you all the action. This has been Illinois in Focus. Find more stories and commentary online at ilnews.org. For Illinois News Network, I'm Greg Bishop.